Hello, my name is Meg. Welcome to the Unedited Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. The goal of this podcast is to help you both develop and enjoy the habit of daily Bible reading and prayer. About 20 years ago, at a very low spot in my life, I was convicted to begin this simple discipline, and I looked up years down the road to see how God had used this habit to heal deep places in my heart and do incredible things in my life. So over the years, it's really become my greatest passion to help others get to know Jesus through His Word and through His presence. Through this podcast, I'm hoping to help you see the Word of God with fresh eyes, to learn to slow down with your Bible, and ultimately to fall in love with your Bible. So thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so incredibly grateful to have you here. for being here. Today we are going to talk about endurance and I always state every week the goal of this podcast is to help you develop and enjoy the habit of daily Bible reading and prayer and that is true. So much in our lives flows out of the habit of Bible reading and prayer. This is how God has designed that we will have relationship with him. He speaks to us in his word. We speak to him in prayer. It's how he has a formatted conversation for that relationship between the human and the divine. And there's a lot of proven benefits to the habit. Um, I share those in the book on edited help and healing through the simple habit of Bible reading and prayer and also on several episodes of the podcast. But in addition to helping you establish and enjoy the habit of daily Bible reading and prayer, the goal of this podcast is to be an encouragement And if I've had one word that I would use um, that has just been in my spirit the whole entire time that I've worked on these projects and I did work on the book for seven years, it is this. It is the word hope. And to bring hope to people that are in difficult seasons. I've walked through a few very difficult seasons in my own life and I have found such a hope and a comfort in the word of God. And the things that I share on this podcast were written during my own devotional time most of them were probably written with tears. I, a lot of them I read. I don't even remember writing them. But um, that's just a little, a little backstory. I do want to help you learn to read your Bible in prayer. I want to help strengthen the habit of Bible reading and prayer. But also, I want to bring hope and be an encouragement. And so along those lines today, we are going to talk about endurance. And this episode was really inspired in our staff meeting on Monday Um, We were talking about the prayer point that would go out for the week, and our student pastor, Reagan Matheson, said he felt like we needed a prayer point about endurance, and he quoted the words of Jesus, he that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. And that's just been in my spirit all week. I want to encourage you to endure. Endure means we're probably going to have to go through difficult stuff that makes us want to quit, but we're going to endure through it. And so I'm just going to talk a little bit about endurance There is a Carlton Pearson song that I absolutely love on YouTube. It's By and By When the Morning Comes. I think it's from the 80s or the 90s, but I have danced around in my kitchen to that song so many times, belted it at the top of my lungs in my car so many times. But I love how that video starts out. He starts off by sharing a story of a little old church mother and she would give him money from the time he was a little boy until... I believe her elder years, her dying days, but she always asked him a question, are you yet holding on? And that's my question to you today. Are you yet holding on? 
I want to talk about endurance. Merriam-Webster defines endurance as the ability to withstand hardship or adversity, especially the ability to sustain a prolonged stressful effort or activity. And according to the Oxford Languages Dictionary, it's the act or power of enduring an unpleasant or difficult process or situation without giving way. And the fact is that sometimes the road to heaven gets long. Jesus said, straight is the way, or straight is the gate, and narrow is the way, which leads unto life, and few there be that find it. And I looked up the definitions on Tuesday of both straight and narrow. And straight in this verse means narrow from obstacles standing close about. It's kind of a compressed way. And narrow means to press, to press hard upon a compressed way, narrow, straightened, or contracted. And so sometimes we're going to come to these spots in the road where it is like we have to wriggle ourselves through this little crevice, if you would, just this tight, tight, tight space. Jesus never promised that everything was going to be easy. And I think that is one of the key things we get wrong about Christianity. So many times we have this perception that Jesus came to make my life better. And certainly, yes, he does in so many regards make our lives better. But following him never came with the guarantee of sunshine and rainbows and sparkles. He said, And he told his disciples that in this world, we're going to have trouble. We're going to have persecution. We're going to have hardship. We're going to have tribulation. And life is better because he's with us in the middle of those things. It doesn't erase those things. And so I think having a right understanding that we're going to face trouble and tragedy and loss and hardship like every other person on the face of this planet, but we're going to face it with Jesus. He's going to walk through it with us. And what he said, the verse specifically says, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. And I didn't look it up this week at all, but that word tribulation, if I remember correctly, means pressure. Just a heavy, heavy pressure that settles down on you. And I'm sure a lot of us could identify with that word pressure. Um, And again, whether it's just from the straightness, the narrowness of the road to heaven or from life circumstances, maybe from our own choices that we've made in the past, or maybe, you know, for, for whatever reason, we come to these pressure moments in life. And sometimes there is a temptation to quit that comes along with the pressure. And when we come to Jesus, we are now facing battles that we didn't maybe previously face. If you are just setting out to walk with God, to serve God, you've just started a relationship with him, or you've ramped it up and you're really going to seek him on a greater level, you can rest assured that the enemy will intensify his efforts to distract you, to discourage you, to get you to go back, maybe just go back to a comfortable place, or maybe to go back to the world. And again, there are going to be times where you're going to feel like giving up. The temptation to quit is going to resound very loudly in your ears. But this is where endurance comes in. When we face that temptation to quit, we have got to endure. Because again, Jesus said, he that endures to the end of the same shall be saved. I was reminded earlier of this week of uh, Luke 21, 19, where Jesus said, in your patience, possess your souls. 
He's saying you're going to hold on to your salvation by patience. And patience is another word for endurance in the King James. In this verse, it means steadfastness, constancy, or endurance. In the New Testament, it's a characteristic of a man who is not swerved from his deliberate purpose and his loyalty to faith and piety by even the greatest trials and suffering. It's a patient enduring, a a sustaining, a perseverance. And so that's how we're going to make it all the way to heaven. In the good times, we're going to worship. In the bad times, we're going to worship. In the good times, we're going to sing. In the bad times, we're going to sing. In the good times, we're going to keep holding his hand. In the bad times, we're going to keep holding his hand. And through it all, we are going to endure, even if we're crawling sometimes. Even if we're just barely squeezing through that narrow little place, we're going to keep on keeping on. Recently, we had a guest speaker at our church. His name was um, Brother Drew Galloway, and he preached several sermons that left a great impact on me. And the sermon he preached Sunday night was called The Point of the Race, and it was all about the point is to finish and about endurance and about refusing to quit. And I just want to read a few quotes from that sermon. Um, This is as I wrote them down. Unfortunately, it wasn't recorded, but... um, This is how I had them in my notes from that night. He said, The kingdom of God is for those who started wrong, but has grace for them to finish right. God can tolerate failure, but he cannot tolerate forfeiting. The only way you lose is if you quit. And you have to sever the idea of quitting. He said, There is no one in heaven who will say this wasn't worth it. And lastly, I love this quote. He said, heaven will not be populated with perfect people. Heaven will be populated with people with one testimony. I never quit. And so this week, I have just felt so strongly to cheer you on. In whatever you're facing, whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're going through, you are going to make it. You're going to come out on the other side of the trials you're in, or the valleys, or the storms, or the dark nights. You're going to come out better. Whatever you're currently in is going to refine you. It's going to build you into the person that God wants you to become. And remember, David said in Psalm 23, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. God is with you no matter how it feels, no matter if you can see him or perceive him in the trial. He is absolutely 100% there with you. You can say the words of David. We can repeat the words of David. Thou art with me. There is nothing that can separate us from his love. He's for you. Keep holding on. Today, I'm going to share an unedited journal entry called What Job Tells Us. And again, this is written in my own personal devotional time. And God really ministered to me through this little thought. And so today's unedited entry, What Job Tells Us. Wow, with a capital W. I just read Job 38 to 42, literally just wow. The book opens up telling us exactly how much stuff he had. It tells us that he is a godly man, and it tells us that God brags on Job to Satan. God asks Satan if he's considered or noticed him. Satan, of course, has noticed Job, and as the accuser has been known to do, accuses Job of only serving God because of God's protection, favor, and blessings. 
He says if you take away all his stuff, all his human comforts, all the things he loves and sees value in, he will curse you to your face. God responds, Behold, all that he has is in your power, only upon him put not forth your hand. Essentially, God gives Satan permission to do anything he wants to Job's stuff. This included Job's children, undoubtedly some of the greatest sources of joy and satisfaction in his pleasant, protected world. Satan systematically destroys all of Job's living, livelihood, and his family, leaving him with mere shreds. At the end of this devastating afternoon, Job only has four servants who each escaped as a bearer of bad news and a wife who doesn't seem to be at all helpful. Job's stuff is gone. All his symbols of success and security have been stripped from him in a single day. All his children suddenly taken from the landscape of his life with no warning. Job has no idea of the heavenly conversation no idea of the accolades from God or the accusations of Satan. And in the wake of this devastating, debilitating loss, Job does what God knew he would do. He worships. He says, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Chapter 2 of the book of Job opens by telling us about another conversation in the heavenlies. God is still bragging about Job, and Satan is still accusing. He tells God that Job can still worship because he still has his health. He says, touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse you to your face. Again, God gives Satan permission to do anything to Job except take his life. Satan goes out and afflicts Job with sore boils from his head to his feet. The scene and emotional pain worsen as Job sits in the ashes, scraping himself with the shard of his former life, and his wife speaks only words that she speaks in 42 chapters. Why do you still retain your integrity? Curse God and die. No comfort, no hope, no encouragement from the one who should have been there for him. If Job wasn't battling suicidal thoughts before, her words may well have made him question if going on was worth it. I'm sure that in the moment, the future looked very hopeless, very bleak. Likely, voices of despair spoke. Likely, they were believable. Yet in spite of the voices of his wife, his flesh, and the accuser, he speaks words of trust. What? Shall we receive good at the hand of the Lord, and shall we not receive evil? He is incredulous at her question and command. He states trust in God to the point that if he's dishing up evil, he will accept it. More than that, he will receive it. The saga of trial continues to unfold and carries on through the majority of the book as Job's three friends assume all the calamity was brought on by Job's sinfulness. These chapters are dotted with a range of emotions from Job. Everything from let the day perish wherein I was born, chapter 3, verse 2, to for the thing that I greatly feared is come upon me, chapter 3, verse 25, to I was at ease, but he has broken me asunder, chapter 16, verse 12, to my friends scorn me, but my eye pours out tears unto my God, to essentially saying, I can't see or find him in any of this. Oh, that I knew where I might find him. He hides himself. I cannot see him. And then he overrides 
this perception with truth. But he knows the way that I take, and when he has tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Chapter 23. To I know that my Redeemer lives. Chapter 1925. And he has cast me into the mire, and I am become like dust and ashes. Chapter 30, verse 19. Throughout the book, we see that Job is dealing with loss and grief. His faith wavers, but it does not collapse. His character is called into question. His heart is broken, yet he endures through all of it. He carries on through the 34 chapters of painful dialogue until finally the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind in chapter 38. God does not take it easy on Job. He starts off with his first question. Who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? Okay, ouch, no comfort, just questions. God asks Job 84 hard-hitting questions, such as where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? God strips Job of any pride or self-reliance that's left in him with this volley of divine inquiries. When God is finally done, Job's response to him is, I know that you can do anything and that no plan of yours can be thwarted. I had only heard about you before, but now I have seen you with my own eyes. I repent. We see a better Job walking out on this side of trial. God knew him before the trial, but now he knows God. He has a clear and a right view of God and his majesty, and he has a humble and right view of himself and a repentant heart. He has none of his stuff on this side of trial, but God used those brutal circumstances to make him into gold. He was changed to his core by the crucible of the previous 41 chapters of trial. And then the book comes full circle. God remakes Job through loss and grief, tragedy and calamity, and then he gives him all his stuff back. Actually, two times as many sheep, camels, oxen, and donkeys and exactly the same number of children, seven sons and three daughters. God has proven to Satan and to Job himself that Job wasn't serving or worshiping for stuff or for protection or for a pain-free existence. Job was serving God for God. He was worshiping God for God. God had proven what he already knew. The book of Job tells us a lot. It tells us that there are things going on behind the scenes that we don't get to know about. It tells us that no God-allowed trial can destroy us, but will rather refine and remake us. It tells us that worship and trust and song are possible in the darkest of times. It tells us that God gives and takes away and gives again as he knows is good. It tells us that God is a restorer It tells us that God is the one running the show, the one in control of all things. And it tells us that if God said Satan can't touch something, he can't touch something. God told him he could not take Job's life. And the book closes by telling us one final thing. After this, Job lived 140 years and saw his sons and his sons' sons, even four generations. So Job died being old and full of days. God had the last word, the final say, and Job died full. The book of Job tells us that loss of stuff can't empty our days, even loss of loved ones. There is no trial that has the power to strip us of praise, of trust, of faith, or of worship. Oh, to die old and to die full. 
Thank you, Job, for the things your life and trial so plainly tell us. And so today, just a little reminder that he endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. If you are walking through a dark night, if you're walking through a difficult, long trial, God is with you. Keep holding on. In your patience, in your endurance, possess your soul. Hold on to your faith. Hold on to your salvation. You're going to make it all the way through to the other side. I believe it, and God is fighting for you. And I close with the question that the little old church mother asked Carlton Pearson, are you yet holding on? Thank you again so much for joining me for this journey. I look forward to meeting up with you again next Friday. If you have questions or to download a typed or a handwritten transcript of today's entry, you can visit meguneditedcom For now, go grab your journal and your Bible. I look forward to the power of this habit in your life. This is unedited. This is for you. Happy Friday.